All right, Shabbos, say good morning, good morning. Let us begin. Hashem, we give by thanking all of our sponsors for this morning. Sure to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Elul. Jerry and Sarah Walaski for dedicating all the Sherman Joshua's this month in this Chusar of Shlema for Zechari Yadov, Ben Peril, Shira, the Tilson and Wall families of Eretz for dedicating all the Sherman Joshua's this month in honor of the Weddings of our children, and with best wishes for a Shana Tova Umesuka. Shandy and Avram Kelman are very strong for dedicating all the Sherman Joshua's this month in memory of their beloved parents, and in the schus of all those who require a refuge and Selma Wolf with immense gratitude to Hashem and with Philos for health for all in the new year. We thank our week of learning sponsors, Hilary Jacobson Kent, in commission of the art site of Milton Jacobson, Mordechai Menasha Bendina Zichron Livracha. We hope that on the merit of our time with Torah, the Nisham will have an aliyah and the family a nechama. And above with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Choftes 29. And hopefully, again, you did your homework. Hopefully you did your homework. And Baruch Hashem, we are starting from the Mishnah. The Mishnah on Chavtas and Rav was an incredible, incredible sugya ahead of us today. Actually, really an incredible couple of days ahead of us now. The Mishnah says as follows. Kol mitzvos habein al ha'av. Now, say this phrase itself is going to be subject to a little bit of dispute exactly what it means. So let's just translate the words for now. And then we'll see what it means later on. Kol mitzvos, we'll say, you know, Sometimes the beauty of learning Gemara is where Gemara requires emuna. Requires emuna. It's an exercise in emuna. Why? Because sometimes you have to be willing to read a Mishnah, not know what it's saying, but still spend the time learning it with the absolute belief that somehow, some way later on, it'll make sense. Now let's say, is that not an exceptional and incredible metaphor for life? Sometimes if you just got to do what you, you got to do what's incumbent upon you, you just have to take the necessary steps, even though right now there's so much ambiguity, there's so much, there's such a lack of clarity, there's such a lack of purpose and a lack of direction, but I take the steps knowing that one day, some way, somehow, everything in Meretz Hashem is going to fit into place. Incredible. So, I'm sorry, one last thing. A mazel tov to Reptali Strum on the engagement of his son, Ezra, Baruch Hashem, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. Continue Simchas for the Strom Mishpacha, Mazel Tov. All right, Komitzos Haben Ala'av. So all mitzvos of the son that are on the father. And again, we'll define that phrase in just a little bit. Ha'anoshim chayovin v'anoshim peturos. Men are chayiv, women, women are exempt. V'chomitzos ha'avalaben. Any mitzvos of the father on the son. Echad anoshim ve'echad noshim chayovin. Both men and women are obligated. V'chomitzos ha'se shazman grama. Oh, any time-bound mitzvot, time-bound mitzvot, which was, what does it mean, time-bound mitzvot? A mitzvah which has a time element associated with it. Taking lulav and esrog, sitting in the sukkah on a derabonah level, lighting Hanukkah candles, anoshim chayovim, or, right, anoshim chayovim, v'noshim peturos. Although Hanukkah candles is not a good example, because women are obligated, different discussion. Anoshim chayov, anoshim peturos. Men are chayiv, women are exempt. So most of this Mishnah is the source for the concept that women are exempt from time-bound mitzvos. V'chol mitzvos ase shaloaz man grama, any non-time-bound mitzvos, echad ha'anoshim ve'echad ha'anoshim chayovin. Both men and women are obligated. V'chol mitzvos los ase, any, any mitzvos los ase, prohibitions, prohibitions. Ultimately, again, Bein Shazman Grama, Bein Shalohazman Grama, Echad Noshim, Echad Hanoshim, Echad Hanoshim Chayovin. Now, we'll see, here's what's interesting. The concept of an exemption for a time bound mitzvah obviously only applies to positive commandments. When it comes to prohibitions, 
everyone is obligated. Everyone is obligated. So let's say, for example, so a person can say, you know what? The prohibition to eat chametz is a time-bound mitzvah. It only applies for seven days. Time-bound mitzvah. Ah, so a should be exempt. No, no, no. The exemption for time-bound mitzvahs is only for the performance of positive mitzvahs, but for prohibitions, everyone is obligated, with three exceptions. Baltakif. I will say Baltakif is the prohibition to cut off your payas, to round off the sides of the head. That prohibition only applies to men, doesn't apply to women. Or Baltashchis. Baltashchis refers to the destruction, this is not the destruction of food, but rather, again, this is Baltashchis of destroying the corners of the beard. This is a reference to shaving with a razor, right, on certain parts of your, on certain parts of your face. And the prohibition to become Tame through contact with the dead. That's the reference to Kohanim. Kohanim can't come in contact with Tumas Meis. These three prohibitions only apply to men, do not apply to women. So if a woman wants to shave her entire head with a razor, she could do so. If a woman wants to shave her face with a razor, she could do so. A woman, even if she's a Bas coin or married to a coin, she could go, she could become exposed ultimately again to Tomas Mace. Good. We'll say a lot, a lot packed into this Mishnah. You can feel the excitement of the days ahead with a Mishnah like this, and it's only Monday. It's only Monday. Here we go. So let's begin to say to unravel this Mishnah a little bit. My Komitsos Habein Alaav. We'll say, what does that phrase mean? What does that phrase mean? All of the mitzvos of a son on the, the little translation is, all mitzvos of the son on the father. What does this mean? If you say it means any mitzvos that a son is obligated to perform for his father, why would women be exempt from that? Vatanya, we learned, ish. Also, when it comes to saying, he says, ish imo ro, ish, which is the mitzvah of mora, of revering one's parents, fearing one's parents, in the ala ish. I only know that a man is obligated to go ahead and revere his parents. How do I know that a woman has an obligation of kibbutz, of honoring her parents and revering her parents? To which the Gemara says, It's actually interesting. The Pasuk is written in a fascinating way. It says, A man, his father and his mother, they will fear. So ish is singular, refers to a man, but tiro is plural. Tiro is plural. So who does the plurality refer to? Harekan Shnaim. That refers to two people. Jose, ultimately, again, from the plurality of the word, Tiro, we learn that both a man and a woman are obligated in all of the mitzvahs of honoring and revering parents. So therefore, it can't mean komitzos ha'avalabein, can't refer to all of the mitzvahs that a son is obligated to do for his father. Why? Because remember again, what's the next line of the Mishnah? Men are obligated, women are exempt. If it's referring to the mitzvah that a child is obligated to do for the parent, then what? Then what? Women are obligated in that as well. So what does it mean? Rabbi says incredible. I'm Rabbi Yehuda. This is what it means to say. What it means is all mitzvos, all mitzvos regarding a child that are incumbent upon a parent. Only the father is obligated, but the mother is not. There are certain biblical obligations that a parent has towards a child. Those obligations only devolve upon a father, do not devolve upon a mother. 
Anoshim chayavos, chayavim v'noshim pturos. They both say, what, what are those mitzvahs? See, here we go. Tanina lahad d'tan rabbanon. Both say, we learn this. What's the list? Ha'av, chayiv b'vno l'molo. Both say, the examples of this are as follows. As follows. A father is obligated to circumcise his son. Now, of course, remember when we say that a father is obligated, that is quite literal, the mitzvahs on the father. Which is why even at a bris milah, if a father is not going to do the mila himself, one of the things that he must do is he must appoint the moel as his shaliach. Right? The moel has to be his agent. So a father is obligated to circumcise his son. Liftoso, to redeem him. That refers to Pinyon Aben. Lelamdo Torah, to teach his son Torah. Lasio Isha, to go ahead and marry him off. Lelamdo Umnos, to teach him a trade. Right? To teach him a way to make money and to be self-sufficient. Others say he's also obligated to teach his son to swim in the water. I will say, I want to show you something interesting over here. So, well, let's finish. He says, A father who doesn't teach his son a trade. I will say, Umnus literally means trade. But I just want to be clear, what does it mean? It means a way of earning a parnasa. So a father who does not teach his son a way of earning a parnasa, melamdo listos, is teaching him thievery. 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 Right? Sigmar so listos? Really? If I don't teach my kid a trade, I'm teaching him thievery? Rather, it's as if you're teaching him thievery. Right? I will say, why? Again, what's the logic? Because since I'm not arming my child with a way to be self-sufficient and support themselves, at a certain point in time, they're going to need money. And if they don't know how to do it legally, then what? Then what? They're going to do it illegally. They're going to pursue any means that they can in order to be able to support themselves. Therefore, I will say, before we delve into this, see how we understand the Mishnah. The first line of the Mishnah, I will say, very exciting Mishnah. habein al ha'av means any mitzvos that are incumbent upon a parent to a child, the obligation devolves upon the father, doesn't devolve upon the mother. What kind of mitzvos are we talking about? Brismila, Pidyona ben, Torah, marrying off the child, and ultimately, again, teaching them a trade. Rabbi Huda adds in an additional one, teaching to swim. Yeah, so, I'm sorry, the Yeshomrim say teaching to swim. Teaching to swim. These are all obligations that a father has, ultimately, to teach a child. But I'll say something interesting. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Aflo Shito Benar, to teach him to swim in a river. So Rashi says over here, why, what's the, what's the logic? What's the logic? Shema yifrosh b'svina, v'tit b'avetistaki, nimeni odeh l'shot, l'shot, l'shot. What's going to happen? Perhaps the child is going to be on a boat journey, right? The boat's going to sink. The boat's going to sink. And if the kid doesn't know how to swim, ultimately, again, he's going to be in trouble. I say, it's intriguing to see that Rashi changes the girsa. Or Rashi had a different question. They changed a different girsa. The girsa in the Gemara is that a father is obligated. What does Loshito mean? Teach him to swim in water. Rashi's girsa is af loshito benar. What's a nar? A nar is a river. We'll say what's the difference between a nar and mayim? Right, mayim could be a body of standing water. Right, nahar always what has a current. Well, Rashi is coming to introduce to us something additional as well. So they both say, the power of teaching your child to swim is not just that if they're on a boat and it capsizes, they know how to swim. So teaching a child to swim in a river also requires teaching a child to swim against the current. 
You see, sometimes in life, sometimes in life, there's a current that takes us a certain way. And it is easy in life kind of just to like get on your back, so to speak, and float your way down life going with the current. Just go with the flow. Just go with the flow. And sometimes in life, you're supposed to because the flow is good. But there are times in life where the current is taking you in the wrong direction. There's a time in life where if you go with the flow, you're going to end up in the wrong place. So I'm say, what skill set do you have to have? You have to learn how to swim against the current. You have to learn how to swim upstream. And whose obligation is that in life to teach a child to swim upstream? That's a father's obligation. That's a father's obligation. They will say, because there are things in life that are difficult. And there are things in life that require you to go against the current. And there are things in life that sometimes cause you to take unpopular stands. And there are things in life that cause you sometimes to stand out and to stand separate and apart from everyone else. And a father has to arm his child with the courage to be able to swim, not just in a standing body of water, but against the current of life as well. So incredible. So I say now, excitingly, I can't tell you, I can barely claim my excitement for this. I say, so excited. I actually had a to send out a message. We're going to start at 5.30 today. 5.30 today. But then I realized it would be an incredible opportunity for his bodidos with me and the Ribbono Shalom. But uh, so I say, so let's go right there. So I'm all So I say, so let's, let's go through the list. Let's go through the list. So here we go. Number one, to circumcise his son. Lamolo. Suminalan. We'll say, how do I know that a father is obligated to circumcise his son and not a mother? How do I know that? Pasuk says, Avram Avinu circumcised Yitzchak. Okay, so you see it's an obligation on the father. And we'll say, interesting enough, when it comes to Brismila, when it comes to Brismila, what happens if a father doesn't perform his responsibility. Either a father shirks responsibility or in a situation where the father is not there. Not there. The obligation is upon Beisdin to ensure that the child is circumcised. And we'll say, of course, in a situation where the father doesn't do it, Beisdin doesn't do it, so the child, when he becomes an adult, when he becomes old enough, is obligated to circumcise himself. Interesting. So again, Primary obligation rests upon the father. Father either doesn't do it or isn't present. Obligation shifts to the Beisdin. Beisdin doesn't do it. When the child becomes of age, the child, the young man, is obligated to ensure his own circumcision. Dixiv will say, first wide line, Chavtes Amadalif, Dixiv, Va'arel Zachar Asher Lo Yamal Es Besar Arla So, Venichrasa. Because we'll say, ultimately, again, it says in an Aral Zachar, an uncircumcised boy, Asher Lo Yimol, who didn't circumcise, which indicates to us that at a certain point in time, the obligation for Brismilo ultimately, again, shifts to the boy himself, which I will say, also, such an incredible lesson. So in life, there are things that other people are supposed to do for you. There are, right? There are certain things that a parent is supposed to do for a child. There are certain things that community is supposed to provide for a child. But at a certain point in time, if you weren't blessed with parents who do for you, or you're not part of a community that does for you, what happens? At a certain point in time, do it yourself. Because at the end of the day, the buck of your life stops with you. So although there are other people who should absolutely play a supporting role in your spiritual and emotional development, if you don't get what you need from others, you must 
take the reins of responsibility to make it happen yourself. So the Gemara says, How do we know that a mother, right, that a woman is not obligated ultimately again to circumcise her son? We'll say second wide line, Again, by Avram Avinu. Avram circumcised Yitzchak as Hashem commanded him. Oso, follow Oso. Ultimate him, Avram Avinu, not Sarah. So from here we see men are obligated to circumcise their sons, women are not. Ashkechan mi'al dars I only know about Avram Avinu. How do I know that it applies to all future generations as well? Whenever you see the Lashon of Tzav, Tzav always refers to now, now, and for the future. So the Gemara says, so we'll say the Pasuk says, means for now. So therefore we'll say, again, the fact that the Torah uses Lashon of Kasher Tziva by Avram Avinu indicates that God was commanding Avram Avinu and also that type of commandment applies for future generations as well. So I will say, from here we learned that Allah saw the obligation to circumcise one's son devolves upon the father, and ultimately again, on the father and not on the mother. Incredible. Next, liftoso. We will say, to redeem the child. So how do we know again that this is on the father, not the mother? The Pazik says, Redeem your firstborn son. See, see from where that I love him, I see the obligation of redemption devolves upon the parent. So we'll say, interestingly enough, when the father doesn't do it, when the father doesn't do it, so then the son, when he becomes of age, is obligated to redeem himself. So we'll say, by the way, it's interesting that by Pidyon Aben, by Pidyon Aben, what's missing over here? What's missing in the sequence? Bazdin. Right? By bris milah, by bris milah, the sequence was if the father doesn't do it, so then Bezdin does it. Bezdin doesn't do it, then it's on the son. By Pidyon Aben, the Bezdin is although I will tell you, there is a process, there is a process for Pidyon Aben through a Bezdin. But say it's very simple. The urgency for Pidyon Aben is not the same as the urgency for bris milah. Right? In other words, for bris milah, for bris milah, for a Jewish child to be uncircumcised, is, is, is incomprehensible, leaving aside, of course, health concerns, right? But incomprehensible, incomprehensible. So therefore, there's an urgency. So if there's no father, based in steps in now. By Pidyon Aben, the, 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 there's not the same urgency. It has to get done. It has to get done. But if it needs to wait for the child to redeem himself, then ultimately, again, we'll wait for that. Okay. How do we know that the mother is not obligated to go ahead and make sure that her son is redeemed? Tipada Tifta. Right? The Gemara says, Kol Shemit Suva Liftos Es Atzmo, Mitzvah Liftos Es Achirim. So we'll say, again, we learn it from Lashon of Tipada Tifta. Whoever is obligated to redeem themselves is obligated to redeem others. Whoever is not obligated to redeem themselves, ultimately, again, is obligated to redeem others. Therefore, because a woman is not obligated to be redeemed, therefore what? She is not obligated to redeem others. How do we know that a woman is not subject to Pidyon Aben? Or Pidyon Abbas? Tifta Tipada. 
Kol shachir mitzum liftoso, mitzvah liftos as atzmo. All right, so this is a little bit circular. Right, so whoever is, whoever is obligated to have other people redeem him, ultimately again is obligated to redeem himself. Whoever doesn't have an obligation to have others redeem him, ultimately again is not obligated to redeem himself. So again, how do I know that other people aren't obligated to redeem a woman? Okay, so we kind of should have started with that. Right? So ultimately, again, women are not subject to Pidyon Aben. Pasuk goes out of its way to say, Redeem your firstborn sons, Tafka sons, and not daughters. So therefore, again, because a woman is not subject to Pidyon Aben, ultimately what? She cannot redeem her son. She's not obligated. In general, we have the concept that you can only perform a mitzvah, right, for someone, or you can only act in an agency capacity if you yourself are obligated in that particular mitzvah. Incredible. So now we've established, as I said, for just going through our list, we've established again, there's an obligation of brismila upon the father for his son. The obligation is only the father, not the mother. Pidyon Aben, obligation of the father, not the mother. Now a couple of interesting Pidyon Aben Shilas. Ten Rabbanon. Who liftos, who liftos? So here's an interesting case. What happens if you have a father, Yaakov? Yaakov has a son, Ruvain. For whatever the reason, Yaakov never had a Pidyon Aben. Never had a Pidyon Aben. Okay. So I'm say, so now, and now Baruch Hashem Yaakov has a son, Ruvain. So now, and now, and now it's time for Ruvain. It's 30th day, time for Ruvain's Pidyon Aben. So I'm say, so now, the father needs a Pidyon, the son needs a Pidyon. Who takes precedence? Who takes precedence? To which the Gemara says, who called him Libno? The Gemara says, ultimately, again, Yaakov, the father, takes precedence over his son. Rabbi Yudha Rabbi says, Bno called Mo. Rabbi Yudha says, no. Ruvain, the son, takes precedence. Why? Shazem mitzvaso al-aviv, vizem mitzvos bno al-av. I will say, you know, technically speaking, Yaakov's pidyon, the father's pidyon, whose who's obligation is it? Whose obligation is it? His father, Yitzchak. And his father, Yitzchak. Meanwhile, again, Ruvain's, Ruvain's pidyon, whose obligation is it? Whose obligation is it? Yaakov's. Right, so technically speaking, I would say, technically speaking, really it's Ruvain's obligation that devolves upon Yaakov. Yaakov's obligation devolves upon his father Yitzchak. So therefore, Ruvain should really do the pidyon on his son first before he does his own pidyon. So what says, there we go. I'm Rabbi Yirmiya. Rabbi Yirmiya says as follows. Rabbi Yirmiya says as follows. I Everyone agrees. I'm a base. Kol Hecha, Kaf 29b. So listen to this. Everyone agrees in the following situation. What happens if the father, right, again, right, uh, Yaakov, only has five slime, I will say five slime, five slime, five silver pieces, is the amount that is used for pidyon haben. Amount that is used for pidyon haben. So I listen to this. So, yeah, I'll tell you a funny story if we have time later on. So, which we won't. Everyone agrees, everyone agrees, that if the father, right, we're going to call him again, we're going to call him Ruvain, sorry, Yaakov, right, the father Yaakov only has five slime, who called him Libno? Ultimately, again, if all the father Ruvain has to his name is five slime, then of course, again, Ruvain is going to go ahead and redeem himself. Why? Why? I'm sorry, I keep mixing up the names. Okay, in this case, you're say, we're going to call the father is Yaakov, the son is Ruvain. So in this case over here, Yaakov never had a pidyon aben, and now Baruch Hashem, he has a son who didn't have a pidyon aben either, or is 30 days now ready for a pidyon aben. So the Nigmar says as follows, everyone agrees 
that if all Yaakov has is five sloim, then what? Who called them live? No. Ultimately, again, he redeems himself. Why? My time. What's the reason? Mitzvah de gufe adifa. Because we're saying, general, again, if you have two mitzvahs in front of you, one is an obligation that is upon yourself, and one is an obligation you have towards another. The mitzvah that you have, the obligation you have for yourself, always takes precedence over an obligation you have towards someone else. Let's say this is an interesting gisod in general. That Lamaisa, whenever there's that conflict between something, an obligation you have for yourself versus an obligation you have for another, so your personal obligation always trumps your obligation towards someone else. If all, if all Yaakov has is five slime, he takes care of his own opinion. Right? The Gemara says, So keep the wisdom of locusts, listen to this. Fascinating, I will say. What happens if the father, what happens if Yaakov the father, right, Yaakov the father, has five slum in his pocket, but he has another five slum of property that he sold. So he had a field that was worth five slum, but he sold it. He sold it. Now watch this. Rabbi Huda holds, Rabbi Huda holds, that essentially now, that property is considered to be like encumbered property. Already covered property, why? Because since, because since Yaakov has an obligation to redeem himself since his father didn't do it, so that's an obligation, a biblical obligation that he has. And it's as if a biblical obligation is like, a, is like a loan recorded in a document, which means that any property he sold is encumbered to this biblical loan. Therefore, what should he do? What should he do? So he should use the five slum he has in his pocket to redeem his son. Listen to this. And the coin could go ahead and reclaim sold property in the value of five slum in order to go ahead and redeem Yaakov. For Rabbanan Savri, Milva Dixiba Raisa Lafkik Subishtar. The Rabbanan held that no, no. A biblically, a biblically recorded, a biblically recorded Hava, ultimately, again, Milva Dixiba Raisa is not like a, right, a, 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 literally an obligation, a biblical obligation is not like one that is recorded in a document. And therefore, again, Halach Lamaisa, the Kohen, can't claw back any sold property. Therefore, again, Yaakov, the father, should go and use the five slum in his pocket to redeem himself, and to redeem his son when able. But say, how do we paskin? So we paskin the Halach Lamaisa, if the father has not yet been redeemed, and the son is now subject to redemption as well, the father redeems himself first. Mitzvah de Gufe Adif, right? Oso and Bino, ultimately again, he takes precedence in the mitzvah. Incredible. Turn Rabbanam. Liftos as Bino Valalos Regal. Shabbos say, listen to this. What happens if Halacha Mesav is a different clash? The clash over here is between, between redeeming himself and Aliyah Regal. Or as well say, I have five slum in my pocket, right? Here's the choice I have. I can either use the money to redeem my son. Or I could do Aliyah L'Regal. Right? Remember, Aliyah L'Regal is the mitzvah of going to Yushalayim on Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkis. So I could only do one or the other. Which one do I do? Which one do I do? So the Gemara says, Redeem your son. Redeem your son. And then you know what? You'll figure out the rest. Right? You'll, be, you'll figure out how to be Ola Regal after that. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Arbosai, by the way, it could also be it doesn't just have to be a financial issue, it could also be like a timing issue. Like a timing issue. Right? I have these two mitzvahs in front of me, which one ultimately I can express sense. But, but so, so whether it's timing or whether it's financial, it's the same concept. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Ola the Regal, 
says, no, no, no. Do I leave the regal? First go to Yerushalayim, and then when you're in Yerushalayim, then be polde your son. Then you go to your son. Why? Because it was it's very simple. Ultimately, again, being Ola Regal is a mitzvah verse. So say mitzvah verse means it's a mitzvah that has a that has a window. Right? In other words, that if you don't perform it now, you don't get to perform it later. So Pidyon Aben, you could do any time. So better to do the mitzvah that has a window, Ayali the Regal, and then be pulled to the child afterwards. So the Gemara says, the Bishnah, the Rabbi Huda Kitika Amar, Taima, Srihuda's logic of first be Ola Regal, and then be pulled to your son. That makes sense. He explains it. Because one is a mitzvah with a window, and one is a mitzvah without a window. So in other words, but according to the Rabbanon, ultimately again, what is the logic? What is the logic? In other words, why did the Rabbanon say, do pigyon first, and then Ali the regal? Do Amar I will say this is actually fascinating because, because actually Pidyon Aben and Ali the Regal are actually written in the same Pasuk. I will say, and the order in the Pasuk is Pidyon Aben and then Ali the Regal. So that I don't understand that the Pasuk is coming to teach me a preference in the order that when these two mitzvahs conflict, Ultimately, again, first do Pidyon Aben, and then you could do Aliyah the Regal afterwards. Incredible. Tan Rabbanon, Binayishim Hayulo Chamisha Banan Mechamisha Nashim, Shechayev Liftos Kulan. But say, how do I know that if a man has five firstborn sons from five women, that ultimately, again, this is like inner city, right? So I'll say, sorry. Right, so, right, so the Mesa, right, so, so the Mesa, so the Mesa, how do I know, how do I know ultimately again if, if, Halacha Lamaisa, I have five firstborn sons from, right, from five women, that ultimately again, that Halacha Lamaisa, Yechayv and Pidyon Aben, right, for all of them, how do I know that? So the Gemara says, Ta'amud Lomar, Kol Bechor Banecha Tifta. So we'll say, this is actually an interesting Halacha, it's actually an interesting Halacha, we'll say, that Pazlik says, redeem every one of your sons. Redeem all, Kol Bechor Banecha Tifta. So the Gemara says, Pshita, Petrach, Tachon. Rabbi Osei, now here's what's interesting. The Gemara says, that's obvious. The din, the din ultimately, again, of Pidyon Aben is the firstborn of a woman. Firstborn of a woman, right? It's not the firstborn of the father. So the Gemara says, Tzadrachmana, Bechar, Bechar, Minachlo. Rabbi say, how do I know, again, because the Pasuk is Bechar, Bechar, from Nachlo. Rabbi Osei, Ma'al Lahalon, Reishis, Ono. So Rabbi Osei, this is actually fascinating. Because where's the other area in Halacha? Where we have a din of Bechar? By inheritance. Now we'll say, by inheritance, how do you determine Bukhar's status? How do you become the It's the father. It's the father. So for example, let's say a man is, was married multiple times, right? And he may have a firstborn son with multiple women. Only one of those sons is his Bukhar for inheritance purposes. What the Gemara calls Rashis Ono, the first of his seed. So I'll say, I might have thought, that maybe the Allah Pedyon Aben follows the same paradigm, the Gemara says, Kamashwal, no. Kamashwal, I will say that by, it's actually fascinating. By Pedyon Aben, Pedyon Aben, Bechar's status is determined by the mother versus Nachala versus inheritance, where Bechar's status is determined by the father. Fascinating. Let's go back there. Let's go back there. So let's go back there. So next, next obligation, a father is supposed to say, so just to point out, we're going through our list. So now we've established, again, father is obligated to circumcise his son. Father is obligated to impede Yonah Ben for his son. Next, 
Lalando Torah, to teach his son Torah. Minyal, how do we know that father's obligated to teach his son Torah? To the Maratem of Samas Benechem, Pasik says, You shall teach your son's Torah. I behechadullah admare avua, mechait ilimigmar nafshait. The boss is incredible. What happens if your father doesn't teach you Torah? For whatever the reason, your father doesn't teach you Torah, ultimately, again, you are obligated to teach your child. You're obligated to teach yourself Torah. Both say, I just want to point out just how important, how profound this is. You know, Freud was not the first one to discover how impactful and pivotal our relationship with our parents are on our entire formation. Chazal already understood this. Chazal understood this. And I both say, the reality in life is that sometimes our parents, as well-meaning as they are, do not give us what we need in life. And they do not give us the tools. And I both say, sometimes even worse, sometimes they're just objectively not good parents. Parenting is one of the hardest things in the world because there's no instruction manual. Everything is learning on the job. And the only, often in life, the frame of reference you have for how you parent is how, is how, what you got from your parents. And I will say, that's a problem because sometimes if a person's parents were not good parents, and, and it happens, people, even the most well-meaning parents don't necessarily know how to parent, and that's the chinuch I have in parenting. And it's an incredible yisod. I will say, we know this. The world is filled with good people who just received terrible parenting. And that's the chinuch they have. But the beauty of what Chazal teaches us over and over again is that there does come a certain point in time where you can no longer blame your parents for the person you are. You can, maybe for a little while. <laughs> for a little while, you can blame your parents for the person you are. But at a certain point in time, even if my parents, they tried their best, they didn't try their best, they gave me good upbringing, they gave me, it happens in life. You don't choose your family. But Lamaim said, at a certain point in time, the buck of your life stops with you. At a certain point in time, ultimately, again, you must take responsibility for who you are and who you're not. So your parents should teach you Torah. Parents should bring you up in a certain way. Parents shouldn't die with certain spiritual values and ideals. But if they did not, either because they didn't, they couldn't, they should have, whatever it might be, Lamaisa, own it. Now you own your life. So your parents didn't teach you Torah, you teach yourself Torah. Dechsev, v'limaratam. Pasik says, Ultimately, again, learn it yourself. Sorry. You teach yourselves. So there's there's teach your kids and there's learn yourself if your parents did not teach you what they were supposed to. So the Lord says, How do you know that a mother is not obligated to teach her child Torah? So the Lord says, Ulimaditem. So I will say it's interesting. Two words. Vilimaditem, teach your children. Ulimaditem, and you will teach yourselves. Anyone who's obligated to learn Torah is obligated to teach Torah. And whoever ultimately again is not obligated to learn is not obligated to teach. How do we know that a woman is not obligated to learn Torah? Right? Both say, so like, how do I know that a woman is not obligated to learn Torah? Whoever ultimately, again, that others are obligated to teach is obligated to teach themselves. And whoever ultimately, again, you're not obligated to teach 
Ein mitzvah lelamed as atzmo. It's not obligated to teach themselves. Okay, the say again, it's a little bit circular. Second line, chavtesam abeis uminayin shein achem mitzvah lelamda. How do I know that one is not obligated to teach his daughter Torah? The amar kra v'limaratem osam es benechem v'lo benosechem. The boss say this is the drasha. This is the drasha. Torah says. Ultimately, again, you will teach your sons. You're obligated to teach your sons. And ultimately, again, not your daughters. Not your daughters. So if I will say again, this is the Pasuk and everything stems from this. I will say, just to be clear, what this means is there may not be a formal obligation of Talmud Torah when it comes to a woman. But in order to be a functional Jew, you have to learn Torah. You have to learn Torah. So whereas a woman may not have a formal obligation to learn, there certainly is a necessity for a woman, a woman to learn how to be a functional Jewess. So again, the formal mitzvah of Talmud Torah doesn't apply, but the need ultimately again to become versed absolutely does. So therefore again, so I will say, so if we kind of take this full circle, because a woman does not have an obligation to learn, therefore she doesn't have an obligation to teach. This is why the obligation to teach Torah devolves upon the father and ultimately, again, not upon the mother. Incredible. So the Gemara says, listen to this case. So we'll say, let's say again, a parent only has a certain amount of money. And what happens? What happens? So either I, the father, could learn or I could support my son to learn. So who should learn? Who called him Libno? Ultimately, again, the father takes precedence over the son. Now, what's the logic over there? What's the logic over there? So the logic is, sounds like the same logic by Pidyon Ben that your personal obligations take precedence over the obligations you have towards anyone else. Who called them? So the says, who called them? Rabbi says, it depends. If the son of Osei exhibits potential. Right? The son. He's Rose, It's interesting. Zaris. What does Zaris mean? What does Zaris mean? Zaris is a midah, alacritus, right? So if the son, let's say if the son is serious, Zaris means he comes on time to the base medrash, right? Zaris means he comes on time to davening, right? He, in other words, he exhibits a seriousness and the commitment ultimately again to furthering his spiritual growth. Um mumlach, both say, mumlach means, mumlach means and he retains, right? Vitam, or I should say, mumlach means he's dedicated, Tamudo miskaibiado, he retains, but no kodmo. Ultimately, again, in that case, the son will take precedence. So it's interesting, I will say. So, whereas the Tanakama always understands that the father takes precedence because the father's obligations ultimately, again, trump the son's, one's personal obligations to yourself, trump the obligations that you have towards someone else. Rabbi Huda says, it depends. It depends. Where is the kid holding, right? Is the kid the kind of kid ultimately, again, who has the ability? to go ahead and be proficient and be excellent, or not, if he does, and he exhibits greater potential than the father, then ultimately, again, let the son go ahead and learn. So Limar goes back to Limar, tells a story. Kiha, the Rav Yaakov, berate Rav Acha Bar Yaakov. So what's the Limar tells the story of Rav Yaakov, the son of Acha Bar Yaakov, Shadrav, who will come to Abaye. Ultimately, again, the father sent him before Abaye, Ki asa chazye, chazye de lo hava michtan shmaite. So we'll see what happened when the son came home, the father, the father of Achar Yaakov saw that his son wasn't really holding, right? His son wasn't holding. He said, ultimately, again, I can learn better than you. I can learn better than you. I'll go to yeshiva. You stay home. 
You stay home because I'm going to go learn. We'll stop over here for today. We're going to pick up Amir Hashem with this story tomorrow. Osai, tremendous, tremendous. Slichas, slichas. Osai, shkayach, everyone. Incredible. Hora, Shah. That's not a, it's not a raya.